Brady Cook is officially your Missouri starting quarterback, and if you wanted some more aggression out of the Missouri offense, I think you might get it this week in a matchup with Middle Tennessee. So let's talk about that and more right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code LockedOnCollege for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. And here's what I promise you, a fun episode of Locked on Mizzou today. Obviously, the big news is that Brady Cook has officially been named the starting quarterback by Eli Drinkwitz. That news broke just after I posted my show yesterday. According to Drinkwitz, although Cook is your starter, Horn is going to continue to get reps, but the Tigers are moving forward with Cook as their first-string quarterback. Basically, Horn is going to come in for a series here and there, according to Drinkwitz. So what does that mean? Well, actually, Drinkwitz made a bit of a comparison to Brad Smith's senior year, which coincided with Chase Daniels' true freshman season, where he would often come in for the first series of the second quarter, often just a series in the second quarter period. But I got to say, if that's the plan, um, that's kind of a bold plan and not one that I'm sure that Drinkwitz will necessarily stick to. If the Middle Tennessee game, for instance, is somewhat in doubt in the second quarter, let's say it's 14-7 Middle Tennessee, start of the second quarter. You really wanting Cook to come out there? Although maybe if the offense looks bad, maybe if they're the problem, then maybe you do want to see Horn in there. So I just think it'll be interesting to see how Missouri truly does handle that from here on out if Horn gets any meaningful snaps or if it's all snaps in garbage time. At this point, obviously Cook is the guy, so we'll just have to see how they handle Horn from here on out. Now, along with naming a starting quarterback, Eli Drinkwitz had some more things to say yesterday, including that he thinks blitz pickup by his running backs in this Middle Tennessee ball game on Saturday might be the most important it's been in his time at Missouri. And this really speaks to the aggression of the Middle Tennessee program, offensively and defensively. This is a team that likes to blitz on defense, of course, as Drinkwitz indicated there. But offensively, they're going to take some shots, and really their entire program is basically built around speed, getting the most speed they possibly can offensively and defensively. So again, if you are the type of person like myself at times who would have liked to see a little bit more aggression out of the offense, a deep shot or two, that type of thing, well, I think there's a good chance we're going to see it here just based on the matchup. And by the way, I bet Middle Tennessee takes some deep shots against this Missouri defense, which happens to be quite aggressive itself. If I'm Middle Tennessee, I'm looking to get one of those undersized but speedy inside receivers on a matchup with a safety of some sort like Tennessee did last year and see if I can win there. And guess what? If it's one-on-one on the outside 
with Rakestraw and Chris Abrams drain, well, that hasn't gone very well for SEC wide receivers. I wouldn't expect it to for MTSU either. But at the same time, again, just based on the makeup of this of the Blue Raiders, I think they could they could at least throw some jump balls up there, see what happens, at least hope for pass interference, that type of thing. And also I think offensively, hey, this is gonna be a game where we're gonna see if Leo if if Theo Weiss, excuse me, can truly win on the outside. Is he the type of boundary receiver that can take the top off of the defense and win some one-on-one matchups, which he's surely to get, in my opinion, with Luther Burden on the field. Burden looked every bit like the star receiver he was hyped up to be at least in week one last week. Now, I will say, while I certainly want to see Missouri at times, if there's a one-on-one matchup on the outside with Weiss, for instance, by all means, take it. But at the same time, those screen plays that Missouri fans occasionally get a little bit tired of seeing, well, that tunnel screen worked pretty well for Burden last week for a touchdown. It's that type of play that's going to be really, really tough to stop if you're going to be blitzing your linebackers a lot in a football game. At a certain point, that type of thing is just wide open. So regardless, though, I do think Middle Tennessee's aggression could mean a chance for more variance. So, you know, that that is somewhat worrisome, I would say. You know, you don't want variance. You would like to have a more predictable game. But at the same time, while... Would you believe, by the way, that Rick Stock still, this is year 18 for him at Middle Tennessee. They've had 10 bowl appearances at the time. This is a solid program, really the definition of solid. Ever since they moved from the Sun Belt to Conference USA, stepped up their competition in 2013, well, more often than not, they're a winning program. They've only had two losing seasons during their time in Conference USA. And despite all of that, though, the projections are just not kind to this 2023 version of Middle Tennessee. I suspect maybe they've had some key guys transfer out of the program, but regardless, the statistics are kind of good enough for me heading into this ball game. The best stat guy out there, in my opinion, is a Mizzou guy, and there's a reason Bill Conley was swept up by ESPN. He has his S&P Plus numbers, has Middle Tennessee as the 124th best team in FBS, or another way to look at it, they're the 10th worst team in all of FBS football. So to me, I think this is a game, Missouri's defense, once again, I expect them to dominate, and offensively, Let's see some domination, too. If we don't see it, then I think my dreams of an 8-4 and four or better campaign for Missouri are a heck of a lot less likely. And after one week, Missouri fans were understandably worried about the place-kicking situation. And the Tigers are going to make a change in week two. But not away from Harrison Mevis. No, they're going to change snappers. So let's talk about that and Missouri's special teams, plus more notes from the depth chart heading into week two. Let's talk about all those Missouri news and notes. But first, of course, I want to tell you about our title sponsor today, Bird Dogs. And you know what? Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts. I'm telling you, these are some of the best products mankind has ever come up with. Because 
quite frankly, they're Lululemon except cheaper, and they're anti-stink, sweat-wicking fabric. It'll keep you cool and dry all day long, and take it from my experience. You wear these babies out on a 90-degree day on the golf course. You're going to want to stay dry. Nobody wants a wet garment out on the golf course. Moisture? I don't even like that word. It kind of grosses me out, to be honest with you. But you know what? Your lady will not be grossed out by your bird dogs, stretch khaki shorts, because they're functional for any occasion, whether it's out on a date, the golf course, working out. Heck, you can even jump in the pool with these babies. Just trust me. Again, I know from experience. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on or enter promo code locked on college at checked out for a free Bird Dogs water bottle order. Again, that's birddogs.com slash college for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. College football is back, baby. And this season, Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football. Kickoff live each Friday, Locked On. We'll go live from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. That's college football kickoff live covering the playoff implications, the rivalry games, going in-depth like only Locked On can with insights and analysis from our hosts covering their team every day. Find the Locked On College Football Kickoff Live show every Friday from 10 a.m. to noon Central on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. And hopefully Missouri will be good enough this season that I'll be making some appearances on this Locked On College Football Live show. How about Missouri's undefeated going into the LSU game? That that looked pretty good, right? But let's not get ahead of ourselves because, quite honestly, if Missouri is going to be undefeated heading into the LSU game, obviously they're going to have to beat Kansas State. They're going to have to beat MTSU, Memphis. And to win all those games, I think we're going to need to see a better version of Harrison Mevis than what we saw in week one. And perhaps the issue isn't really with Mevis at all. According to Eli Drinkwitz, here's a quote from him. He says, yeah, I think it was a couple of things that we're going to try to make some adjustments on. We're going to change our short snapper to Trey Flint to try to get more continuity on the ball placement. The the second place kick, the laces were back. We still need to make it, but that's a product of both the snapper and the holder got to get that right for Harrison and so we all take responsibility for improving our jobs and that I think we'll see if that makes a correction there we still have confidence in Harrison well that's certainly what he should say in the media no doubt about it I hope he really believes it because again we need Harrison Mavis because from what I've heard it doesn't sound like the true freshman kicker Blake Craig is really ready to take over the job either. So hopefully this truly does fix the problem, although I have to say last season with Mevis having not nearly as good of a season as he had his first two seasons with the Tigers, Tigers statistically were very, very bad in special teams, so I suppose I can see why Eli Drinkwitz is wanting to have a more hands-on approach with special teams, but so far that's a little bit it's a little bit disconcerting that we're having to make this type of change after just one week 
And what also is a little bit concerning is that, well, Harrison Mevis getting the dreaded vote of confidence, which usually if you're a head coach and you know, in the NFL and the GM has to come out and give you a vote of confidence, usually that's the opposite of a good thing and a good sign. But hopefully with Harrison, this is truly the case. Although I have to say, according to the broadcast last week, again, I was at the game, so correct me if I'm wrong here. I heard through the grapevine, the broadcast was saying that Mevis was struggling a little bit in warmups too. So, and that means, by the way, in warmups, well, you're kicking off a tee at that point. You're not, you're, you've got your own holder. You can, it's never a laces problem at that point. Your plastic holder is going to do just fine. But regardless, Harrison, start making them, buddy. I've still got confidence in you. What the heck? Now, watching back the film, I did notice that Damian Wilson, who was in place of the injured Chad Bailey last week, did have some notable missed tackles, none that really cost Missouri badly or anything like that. I remember one time early in the game, Wilson filled the hole well on a running play, but just couldn't quite make the tackle, but it was cleaned up by one of his teammates for a very short one-yard gain, that type of thing. But apparently maybe some confidence a little bit lost in Damian after week one because Chuck Hicks is now the starter at that position. We'll, we'll see if maybe they split reps or truly this will be Chuck Hicks' job for at least this week until Chad Bailey perhaps gets back for week three against Kansas State. We'll just have to see how he recovers from that abdominal injury. Now, if you're one of my many everyday listeners of this program, you're well aware that I take the pro football focus grades with a rather massive gob of salt. Uh, and without getting into that rant for the millionth time, j- just know that. But at the same time, I do think the positives are more easy to go with than the negatives, especially when it comes to offensive line play. I think the real standouts are more accurate than the negative side. Well, it's pretty encouraging, I think, to see two Missouri offensive linemen show up on PFF's College Football Team of the Week. In other words, Javon Foster, who shows up at left tackle here, well, he was the highest-graded player at that position in all of FBS football in week one. Not too shabby, right? But I think we've come to expect really good play from Javon Foster. What's even more encouraging than that is a second Missouri offensive lineman shows up here, and it's center Connor Tolleson, who has taken a tremendous amount of grief. If you read Power Mizzou's message board, for instance, I mean, there are fans on there who think he might be the worst player in the history of Southeastern Conference football. I'm I'm being a, a little bit hyperbolic, but those places tend to be prone to hyperbole. But at the same time, there is no doubt that Tolleson had to be better this season. There's a reason that Missouri went into the transfer portal and got a player in Cameron Johnson who they were openly talking about moving to center. Well, that didn't happen. Johnson is still playing, but he's starting at guard now, his more natural position. And meanwhile, Tolleson, who the coaches during fall camp were talking up his much-improved play, well, at least after week one, that seems to be real. I'm not saying he's going to be the best center in the country or the conference by any means for the rest of the season, but that is a really, really encouraging start 
for that young man. And by the way, Tolleson is a guy who coming out of high school was a well-thought-of recruit, one of those four-star, I believe, type players that we all get excited about. So, hey, guess what? Sometimes it takes a guy, especially when he – I don't believe he played center in high school. He's playing a new position in college. There's a lot on your plate as a center that you don't have to worry about, calls and protections and all kinds of stuff that guards and tackles – just simply don't have to worry about. So not a huge surprise that a young guy is seems to be taking a big leap forward here. Hopefully this is real with Connor Tolleson. By the way, remember last season when we made a whole bunch of money betting the Missouri unders week after week after week? Well, I hate to say it, I think my friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook have caught on this season. The line still sitting at 20.5. Missouri, of course, the favorite against MTSU. But the total of 47.5, notably one of the lowest totals of the entire college football slate this Saturday. So I don't know that there's a whole lot of value to be gained there, but there's tons of value for you over at FanDuel Sportsbook. And get ready for the NFL season, which kicks off tomorrow with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Well, since we last spoke, it's actually been a few days now, Stanford, Cal, SMU, all moving to the Atlantic Coast Conference. And once again, my thoughts on this are pretty simple. Who asked for this? What fans, were Stanford fans and Cal fans pining to travel all the way across the country? How can this be a good thing for the sport in the long run? I, I just don't understand any of this whatsoever. You know, looking back on it now, 10-plus years, Missouri left for the SEC. Well, that, that actually makes a lot more sense geographically. It seems amusing that people actually complained that Missouri wasn't a fit in the Southeastern Conference in retrospect, at least compared to all the madness that has unfolded especially involving the Pac-12 here lately. But I tell you, for all the talk of the transfer portal and who the big winners are from that, well, we're talking about players. How about the conference transfer portal? And I got to say, if Missouri is not number one, they're certainly in the top three. And look, I get it. Let me make my case here. I understand it's been rough in basketball during the SEC for the most part. But where are we now? How are things doing right now? Pretty darn good. I'd say Dennis Gates has got this thing turned around. And whether Eli Drinkwitz has a great season and gets the football program going the right way or not, I have a pretty good amount of confidence in whoever the next coach is for Missouri because Desiree Reed-Francois, I think, has a pretty good touch on this kind of stuff. At least she has so far. But, again, let's just take a step back 
Forget basketball for a second. I get it. A huge rough patch. But even if you just look at football, two division titles, I mean, come on, guys. I know that happened early. You can say the 14 one was a little fluky. Whatever you want to say, blah, 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 blah. The point is, is Nebraska better off if they had a better decade? How about Colorado, who is now interesting for the first time in two decades? Well, they not only went to the to the Pac-12, they left and went back to the Big 12. That's how well that little adventure went for them. How about Rutgers, Syracuse, Maryland, West Virginia? Are any of those teams in a better spot than when they left in terms of, of victories, in terms of anything? Heck, you can go back even farther than that. Go 20 years back. The University of Miami has never reached its heights since moving to the Big East. Since 2004, it's first in the ACC. The University of Miami has won 10 games exactly one time, and that was 10 years ago. So, I don't know. I just don't see the benefits here for the most part. Missouri is frankly fortunate to have mostly benefited from this. It just so happens that, well, they made a bad coaching hire in basketball during a time when they just so happened to be in the SEC. I just don't see that the changing of the conferences had much to do with that. Although you could say the same thing about Louisville as well, right? They moved to the ACC, and maybe their struggles here lately don't have much to do with that move. But my goodness, you can't say it's gone as well as they would have hoped in the last 10 years or so, considering Louisville won Four games last year in basketball. Yes, you heard that right. Not in the ACC in the entire season, Louisville. A two-time, at least two-time national champion. I know they won one under Pertino, won at least one under Denny Crum as well. For them to win four games, that seems almost impossible. But I will say Texas A&M has done well too. And well, guess where they've been? They've been in the SEC. I'd say they're in about the same position they were Back in the old Big 12, if anything, their basketball might be even a little bit more of a more solid footing. I'd say football is about the same. And I tell you, when Oklahoma comes to the SEC next year, they're in for a new reality. The days of winning five or six straight Big 12 titles and just running their way through the Midwest and the plains of this country, I, I think that's over. If anything, I think Texas could actually be in a bigger spot in the SEC, a, t a program that's kind of been a perennial underachiever, not just in the last 10 years or so, but really other than a few blips here and there where they've obviously won titles and had incredible teams like that Vince Young year at circa 2005, they've had some incredible teams, but you know, the peaks just haven't lasted very long. So I just wonder if maybe Texas can have something a little bit more sustainable here as they enter the Southeastern Conference. But again, overall, I think you can make a really strong case. Obviously, Utah has done very well in the Pac-12, if I haven't brought them up already. But other than Utah, arguably, Texas A&M, has anybody fared better by changing conferences in the last 10, 20 years than Missouri? I don't really think so when you take a step back and look at it. I understand as Missouri fans hasn't always gone how we wanted it to the last 10 years or so. But at the same time, there's been a lot more positives than there have been for a lot of these teams that have moved. So let's keep it in perspective and at least be thankful that we're in a stable conference and a rich one at that.
So long-term, good things for Missouri. And long-term, hopefully you're enjoying this podcast in the short term as well. And if you are, hey, share it with a friend. Tell, tell he or she we are available wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. And, of course, for you Prime subscribers, Amazon Music ad-free as well. So until next time, I am John Miller, and thanks, as always, for listening to Locked on Mizzou. Thank you.